Hello everyone, this is Father Reed Henshling at All Saints Episcopal Church sharing with you this week the Word of God. We are sharing the Word of God from the daily lectionary in the Book of Common Prayer. The daily lectionary in the Book of Common Prayer. So if you wanted to know what the scriptures are, you have two avenues. You can go to the Book of Common Prayer at the end of the book and you will see the daily lectionary readings. We are in year two and we are using this week proper four. And I'll explain that in just a minute. Proper four year two. Or you can go to our website, and we have on our website, on the front page, we have the um, recording that we are doing now for you to listen to. And we will also provide the listing of the scriptures for the week. Now on Sunday, we are celebrating Pentecost Sunday. And I shared with you last week, at the end of our uh, recorded session last week, some scriptures from Pentecost. At the end of this week, we're going to be sharing from Trinity Sunday. So you'll notice in your prayer book, this is a little complicated, you'll see the Eve of Trinity Sunday scriptures, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, and you'll see Trinity Sunday, three scriptures, one from Job 38 and 42, Revelation 19 and John chapter 1. Then the next week, we will be, and, and Trinity Sunday is the first Sunday after Pentecost, and so the weeks thereafter will be the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth Sundays after Pentecost, all the way to the last Sunday after Pentecost. And then after that, we will be celebrating Advent and starting a new calendar year. So the year, the calendar liturgical year is divided into two sections, two main sections. Advent, which begins at the end of November or the 1st of December, which is four weeks followed by Christmas Day, of course. Advent through Pentecost Sunday. And then the weeks after Pentecost Sunday, beginning with Trinity Sunday, which is the first week, all the way to the last Sunday after Pentecost. And it's about six months for each, all right? So those of you that are following that are not looking up the scriptures uh, in the Book of Common Prayer or are not going to the website, again, we will have that link for you. We, you can start this week in proper four, and we will be studying Ecclesiastes. We will be studying Matthew and we will be studying Galatians, Ecclesiastes, Matthew, and Galatians. Now, you'll notice if you go to the link, you'll notice some other, some numbers that above those scriptures. Those are the prayers that are read that are from the Psalms for morning and evening prayer. So you may want to include those in your uh, reading and study and prayer time. But I'm not going through those in terms of um, an academic, a quick academic overview of of the um, week. So we encourage you to have a good week of reading. We encourage you to read these scriptures and look on it as an opportunity uh, through this summer months uh, from May all the way to November to read different parts of the Bible. And so today we begin with Ecclesiastes. So on Sunday, it's Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 11. Monday, it's 2, 1 through 15, etc. And we go all the way to Friday, which is Ecclesiastes 5, 8 through 20. Now, Ecclesiastes is 12 chapters long, so we'll be looking through the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, where is the book of Ecclesiastes? Well, the book of Ecclesiastes is after Job, Psalm, Proverbs. Job, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes is before Song of Songs. I say, what in the world is that? Ecclesiastes is what we call wisdom literature, wisdom literature. So we're not looking at history. That would be Joshua, 
First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. It's not poetry, although some people w- might put it as it's certainly poetic, but it's a wisdom literature, much like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, okay? And it's certainly not prophetic, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, etc., and the minor prophets from Hosea to Malachi. So Ecclesiastes is asking what's really important in life. It's a great book. It's a little bit enigmatic, and it's a little bit difficult for some people because it's asking different questions that, that most of the books of the Bible do not ask. And, of course, it has that very famous line, and you may have heard the song before, Turn, turn, turn. In chapter 3, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot. That is on uh, Wednesday, chapter 3, 1 through 15. So when you look at it, this is a book that you might not know very well, Ecclesiastes, and you will want to read it very slowly and think about what it's saying. And it's okay if you don't know exactly what it means, all right? So what we're trying to do in this lectionary study is we are just trying to read the scriptures. Those of you that want to do more study on the scriptures certainly should do that. But you're trying to get an overview of it, and you're trying to get a feel for the book, all right? So this week, we're going to get a feel for Ecclesiastes 1 through, chapters 1 through 5. Let me share a couple of verses with you before we go to uh, Matthew and Galatians. Meaningless, meaningless, chapter 1, verse 2, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless, vain. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? So I'm doing all this stuff. I'm doing all this work. I'm amassing all this money. I'm having all this fun. But where is it going? What does it mean? What is the significance of it? I'm sure you've asked yourself that question before. What does all of this mean? Why am I doing this? Is this going anywhere? Is what I'm doing have any value? Is what I'm doing have any significance? Is what I'm doing going anywhere? Does it mean anything to anybody? Does it mean only something to me? Does God think anything of it? Does it have any value? Verse 9 of chapter 1, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. You've probably heard that. Is there anything of which one can say, look, there's something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. So there's nothing new under the sun. So what can we learn from that? Chapter 2, I thought in my heart, verse 1, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. I undertook great projects, chapter uh, 2, verse 4. I built houses, I planted vineyards, I made gardens, I made parks, I planted all kinds of fruit trees, I made reservoirs, I I bought female and male slaves, I amassed gold and silver, verse 8. I did all of these things, but where did it get me? Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, verse 11, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Everything, nothing was gained under the sun. I didn't get anything out of it. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't mean anything to me. Then in verse 13, I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise man has eyes in his head while the fool walks in darkness. Isn't that great? But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. They're both going to die. But what's a better way to live with light rather than darkness? Foolishness or wisdom? Wisdom's better than foolishness. Light's better than darkness. Life is better than death. So the writer, we think it's Solomon, is evaluating what's important. And that is a great point to make. So he talks about toil. He talks about working under the sun. Verse 24, 
A man can do nothing better than eat or drink and find satisfaction in his work. This, too, I see is from the hand of God. For without him, who can ease, eat or find enjoyment? Isn't that a great question? If you don't have God, does any of it make any sense? It doesn't make any sense at all. To the, one, to the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. What we want is knowledge, wisdom, happiness, joy, goodness, kindness. Where is that going to come from? From ourselves? No, because it's going to come from God. But what if I go out and please myself? What if I'm trying to do my own thing? What if I'm trying to do whatever I want to do? I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a problem, a time for everything, every season under heaven. We are currently in the middle of a pandemic. This is a serious problem. We're celebrating the week of May 31st to June 6th, 2020, the week of Pentecost. And we are in the middle of a global pandemic. A time to be born, a time to die, a, plant, a time to plant, etc., etc. What is the worker gained from his toil? Chapter 3, verse 10. I've seen the burden that God has laid on us. He's made everything beautiful in his time. He's, ter- he's set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done f- for them from beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live. Every, that every man should eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. That's the gift from God. So he says, I pray that you will find satisfaction in your labor, in your work. God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. Very powerful scripture, chapter 3, verse 17. So reflect upon that, and we find that scripture reading on Thursday. We go through... Uh, Thursday, chapter 3, 16 to 4, 3. Two are better than one in chapter 4, verse 9, because they have good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. Chapter 5, do not be quick with your mouth, verse 2. Wouldn't that be a great, that a great word for all of us? Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. Let your words be few. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. Stand in awe of God at the end of chapter 5, verse 7. And that's what the conclusion is for Friday's reading. On Saturday, we're looking at Ecclesiastes 5, 8 through 20. Whoever loves money never has enough. Isn't that true? Verse 10, whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. So again, what you want to do is let these words roll through you. Let Think about them. Think about what they mean. They're probably new to many of you. If you're not used to reading Ecclesiastes, just let the words come to you. Pray about them and pray that God will touch your heart as you uh, contemplate them. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13. Now, remember, we've looked at the Sermon on the Mount, and now we're just rolling through the book of Matthew. Matthew 13, 53 to 58. Actually, on Monday, it's 44 to 52. 44 to 52. It talks about the kingdom of heaven being like a treasure in a field, one of my favorite verses. When a man finds it, he hides it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. What about verse 45 and 46? The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds one of great value, he goes away and he sells everything he has and he buys it. So what he's sharing there is a very profound teaching about the importance of the kingdom of God and its value. Its value is so great that the person would sell everything that they have and buy it, buy that property that has the kingdom. Or a person looking for fine pearls, when he finds one, he sells everything that he has and he buys it. What is the value of the kingdom of God to you today? And then he shares several more parables. He he shares several parables. On Tuesday, we have the prophet without honor, where Jesus was not taken very seriously as a prophet in his own hometown. Verse 58, he could not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. How sad. 
On Wednesday, we start into the 14th chapter, and we find the beheading of John the Baptist. Again, and now we get into the middle chapters of Matthew 13, 14, and 15, which is this week. Just read very slowly these wonderful readings about Jesus. We have the death of John the Baptist, and then in verse 13 to 21, which is on Thursday, we have the feeding of the 5,000, and you know it very well. Five loaves, two fish, people sit down on the grass. He looks up to heaven. He gives thanks. He gives it to the disciples. They ate and were satisfied, and 12 basketfuls of broken pieces were left over. Jesus feeds his people. Jesus takes care of his people. Do you believe that God is taking care of you? Do you trust him? Do you trust him to take care of you? Do you believe that he will take care of you? Chapter 14, verse 22 to 36, which is Friday's reading. We see Jesus walking on water. I'm not aware that anybody walked on water like Jesus did. He tells them to take courage. Do not be afraid. Peter goes out to him and walks on the water until he starts looking away and he drowns. Jesus or was drowning. Jesus, of course, lifts him up out of the water, and he gets back into the boat. They began to worship him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God, at verse 33. So here's a man that's saying these extraordinary things, teaching these extraordinary things, feeding thousands of people, walking on water, calling people to walk on the water with them, which they do, and showing them that he is the Messiah. Lastly, on Friday, we have Matthew 15, 1 through 20, And he's talking about what is clean and what is unclean. And he's dealing with the Pharisees. So he has this combative relationship with the Pharisees because they do not want to hear the words that he has to say. They do not believe him. They do not trust him. They do not honor him. And so what he's saying to them is he's quoting scriptures to them, but they choose not to believe. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, but their, teaching, their teachings are but rules taught by men. They honor me with my, their lips, but their lives are not there. They are far away from God. So it's possible to be a person that says yes with their mouth, but doesn't really believe in their heart. Then we go to the book of Galatians. So have a good week of reading uh, the book of Matthew, beautiful readings from Matthew. And then we go to the book of Galatians. And of course, Galatians is extraordinarily famous because we have this amazing relationship between God, between Paul and the people of Galatia. And the people of Galatia have believed lies. And then Paul is trying to, by God's grace, speak to them about things that they believe that are not true. And so we begin on Monday with Galatians chapter 1, 1 through 17. And so he's making his case in verse 6. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of God and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so I say to you again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I trying to win the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please men? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. So they are believing a different gospel. Wrong information is not helpful. Wrong information is not helpful. Wrong information about God is not helpful. And what we they call in theological terms or in the historical terms there, the Judaizers were presenting a gospel that was different from the one they received. And so Paul is writing them in a very strong letter, five chapters, he's writing a letter to them to correct their, um, their false understanding, their false teaching, the false teaching that they have received.
And so we begin on Monday with Galatians chapter 1, and on Tuesday we continue, and Paul gives some historical uh, information about himself and about his ministry in chapter 2. In chapter uh, 2, he continues on. Verse 16 is very important, chapter 2. Know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. You could show up at church every week. You could sit there piously. You could even memorize some stuff. But you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Your justification is by your faith in Jesus. We too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. You know why? Because we can't keep the law. We can't keep the law. The law is good in terms of it tells us what is right or wrong, and it points us in the right way, and in many ways it's a deterrent to doing wrong, but we can't keep it perfectly. There's no way we can. So in order to be justified by God, which means to be in right standing before God, we need to believe in Jesus Christ and trust him and follow him. And, of course, that is the point that Galatians makes so powerfully and so beautifully, so importantly. On Wednesday, we look at Galatians chapter 3, 1 to 14. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's what happened to Jesus. He was cursed. Verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. It was always God's intention to save the Gentiles so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And then Galatians three fifteen to 22 on... Uh, Friday, we finish that great chapter. The scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, verse 22, so that what was promised being given through faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. So he's making a case that the new covenant with Christ is the key, our faith in Christ, our love of Christ, our following Christ. And then on Friday, we finish with chapter 4. You are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, 326. Because you are sons, chapter 4, verse 6, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. You are no longer a slave. And so what you have, brothers and sisters, is you have the Holy Spirit coming to you, comes down at Pentecost, remember. You know the Father, you know the Son. The Holy Spirit is active in a part of your life. You are no longer a slave. You are a son. You are an heir of God, and you have a relationship with Christ. And so that is a very valuable commodity. That's a very valuable relationship. And when somebody comes in and destroys that relationship because of wrong teaching, Paul is going to respond very strongly. One last comment before I sign off is that on June the 7th, on Sunday, we're celebrating Trinity Sunday, and we, the eve of Trinity Sunday is the great Ephesians three fourteen to 21. Please look at that, Ephesians three fourteen to 21. And then on Trinity Sunday, as I said earlier, we're looking at Job 38. This is where God speaks to Job out of the whirlwind. And Job 42, 1 through 5, Job realizes how far off he was, how far off he was in terms of evaluating God. And he repents in sackcloth and ashes. That's really good scripture. In Revelation 19, I love Revelation 19 because it's about the lamb who was slain and he's on a white horse. I love this. Let me go to it very quickly. Chapter 19, 4 through 16. Lord, our God, almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. So everybody's excited in verse 6. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Verse 9, you're invited. All of you are invited. 
The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, verse 10, verse 11. A right rider on a white horse, he's called faithful and true. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood. His name is the word of God, verse 13. The armies of heaven were following him. That's a lot of power. Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth came a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He rules with an iron scepter. He treads the wine press of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Verse 16, on his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So they are exalting, Revelation is exalting this extraordinary figure, and of course the figure is Jesus. Glorified, magnified, post-ascension. And finally, John chapter 1, 29 to 34, is the reading for Trinity Sunday, where we celebrate the truth of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Chapter 1, 29 to 34. Chapter 1, 29 to 34. This is the Lamb of God that, would, that takes away the sin of the world. And we just referred to that out of Revelation chapter 19, his robe dipped in blood. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So we see that he's the Son of God. We see that God has sent him into the world. And we see the Holy Spirit that's going to baptize him. So there's where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is. So, I hope that you have a wonderful Pentecost day. I hope you have an excellent Pentecost week with Ecclesiastes, Galatians, and Matthew. And then finally, a wonderful Trinity Sunday as you celebrate the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.